Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's Good Friday message is The Cry of the Cross by Pastor Sean Wood. Where else would we be except in your house praising your name on Good Friday, Jesus? We are here to say with our bodies, thank you for what you've done. Thank you that you placed us in front of yourself. You took all of our shame and all of our sin, and we remember that this morning. Lord, I do ask that as we come around your word, you will open our eyes to the power of the cross for each one of us in your wonderful name. Amen. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to jump around a little bit this morning. We'll probably start in Psalms 22 in a moment. I remember when I, was on, when I was in high school, I was in year 10, and year 9 and 10 used to, uh, the, the senior school was at a lower level, and the junior school was at a higher level, and grade 7 and 8 were, were kind of, used to have their recess sitting above us on a bank, and, and we were down below, and, and every now and again a war would break out, and we'd throw apple cores or whatever between each other, and I can remember uh, a guy who would become my best friend, uh, we actually fought uh, on numerous occasions, and in the end we said, you know what, this is futile, let's just be friends. And uh, just before we'd become good friends, we're sitting together, and one of the young year sevens threw an apple core and hit Nick right in the eye. What a shot. What happened after that was Nick found this young guy and, and roughed him up as a bit of payback, and what he forgot was that young Patrick had friends in high places. And just as recess was drawing to an end, I can remember looking up the bank as 15 year 10 guys were coming down the bank. (laughs) You'll be pleased to know this is one of the first times that my brain actually went before my body in the decision-making process. (laughs) And I said to Nick, I said, "Uh, catch you later. (laughs) Later on, he would say, you know what? You abandoned me. And you left me on my own. (laughs) He's right, I did. He wasn't alone for long. He had some people that needed to have a talk to him. (laughs) But this morning I want to talk about the cry of the cross. And one of, there was many cries from the cross, but the one that astounds me is where Jesus cries, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's the only time I could find where Jesus addresses his father as my God. Uh, Throughout history, mankind has known many devastating events, but one in recent times, of course, that we most will remember is in 2001, on September the 9th, 2001, when some Al-Qaeda extremists flew aeroplanes into the Twin Towers in New York. What would come out of that would be stories of grief. Uh, Fathers who had only just become fathers who were lost in the Twin Towers. Many lives were lost. The grief went on and on. But after that event at Ground Zero, some weeks after, as the rescuers are sorting through the rubble, they would erect from the steel that was found in the rubble, they would erect a cross. And it was a reminder to the Western world and the rest of the world 
that God is not removed from our grief. He is not removed from our suffering. And he has not forsaken us. The truth in that cry this morning as we unpack the truth of what that meant for Jesus, but also what the truth of Jesus being forsaken on the cross means for us. You can find that verse in Matthew 27, 46, where Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, Other cries from the cross, he would cry, I thirst. Uh, We read that in the Gospel of John. We we read that he would cry from the cross, uh, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And he would cry, Father, forgive them. How do you do that? How do you cry from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do? But what did it mean for Jesus to be forsaken? (laughs) Uh, What it meant for Nick on that day was that he would be encircled and encompassed and surrounded by people that wanted a piece of him, but much the same for Jesus. Uh, For those that made their way to to Psalms 22, I, I simply this morning want to reflect on the words of the psalmist David. We don't know the point in his life exactly that this psalm was written. And he didn't know that when he was penning these words, he was looking forward to a time when our Saviour would hang on the cross. This is a messianic psalm. These these words were, were penned by David at a time in his life, but also speak of the sacrifice of Christ. Beginning at verse 1, he cries, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Has anybody ever else ever felt like that? Have you ever had seasons and moments in your life where God feels a million miles away? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groanings? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find... No rest. Coming down further, he would go on to say, starting at verse 12, many bulls encompass me. Listen to the words. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. Poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. By the time Jesus would reach the cross, the anguish and the pain, the most of us have watched movies like The Passion of the Christ, which help us to understand by the time he reaches the cross, you can actually see his bones, his, his body's been disjointed. The Passion of the Christ was somewhat polite, it was customary to march those to be crucified naked in all the shame up that hill. My heart is like wax, it is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a pot's herd and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. 
They stare and they gloat over me. They, they divide my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. And, and for all the pain that Jesus was feeling on the cross, the one thing that ripped deep was the moment that he would cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The one thing that you could take from Jesus that would hurt the most was the presence and the face of his father. He goes on and he says, They divide my garments among them, for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Let's keep reading. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. Here we, a man many years before Christ would pen these words, but he would be speaking about our Saviour hanging on the cross. What does it mean to be forsaken? How can we possibly understand what Jesus means by those words? And, and recently, I wonder if you could remember, uh, cast your minds with me. Imagine a young child of, of four or five years of age walking with their father. And, and imagine for a moment that as they're walking, the child gets about nine or ten steps in front of the father. And, and just as he does, a, a ravaging dog comes running out of the driveway, growl, growling and snarling and barking. Now imagine for a moment that in that moment the father is able to scoop up that child and place that child in his arms. Who knows that if you're that child, the minute you're in the father's arms, fear gives way to comfort. The dog's still barking, the dog's still growling, that hasn't changed. What has changed is there is a presence. But now for a moment, if we if we may reflect on what Christ is saying here, imagine for a moment that in that moment that the dog comes running out of the driveway, just imagine for a moment that the child stands alone and the father has to turn away. That's the moment we reach with Christ. Throughout scripture, there are many types and shadows of Christ, but one, of course, that many of us will know is Joseph. Joseph was a young man of 17 when he started having some dreams, and if Joseph teaches us anything, it's don't tell your family your dreams. But after some time, he would go out to see his brothers, and we know the story of Joseph. But the life of Joseph pictures the life of Christ in so many ways. He's a young man that, uh, that was favoured by his father. That he's a young man who they would end up casting lots for his special. He's a man that would find himself in a pit. He's a man that would find himself sold as a slave. Uh, Joseph was sold for 20 pieces of silver, which was the price of a slave. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver, which was the going rate for a slave in the first century. Joseph would wake up one morning and he would find himself in Egypt, a long way from home, a long way from his family. No hope of ever being restored. His father, will he ever see him again? He wakes up in Egypt, but after going through the pit, after being sold as a slave, after being despised and rejected by the ones who were supposed to love you the most, he finds himself in Egypt. And if that's not enough, he would find himself unjustly accused. Just like Jesus. 
he would find himself needing to go to the depths before he could rise. But the promise of the cross for us is something sometimes we might miss from the life of Joseph. If you read your way through the life of Joseph, you will find that, yes, Joseph went through the pit. Yes, he found himself in Egypt. Yes, he found himself in Potiphar's house. Yes, he found himself in a prison. Yes, he was forgotten by the two guys he helped in prison. But here's the words that they would pen on his headstone if he had one. The Lord was with Joseph. This morning, as we reflect on the words of Christ, it says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? How could God turn away from his son? Because in one moment of time, the the eternal unity was fractured and divided because Jesus chose to be clothed in all of our sin. And he would be forsaken and the face of the father would be turned away from him so that we could know God with us. That's the powerful message of the cross. That's the powerful message of Jesus forsaken so that we never have to know that feeling, abandoned so that we never know that feeling. You see, the promise of the gospel is not that we will have a rosy life, but the promise of the gospel is if you find yourself in the pit, I will be with you. The promise of the gospel is when you suffer, I will be with you. You will not be alone. Lo, I am with you always. Jesus talking to his disciples highlights the beauty of this promise. Place yourself for a moment in the, in the shoes and in the hands of the, of the disciples. Place yourself uh, as we're right now, we're days before the death of Christ. Jesus is speaking about the fact that he will leave them. Jesus has said, I'm going to a place and you can't come with me. And, and Philip will go uh, and others would say, we don't even know the way. Jesus speaks about going somewhere and preparing a place. These guys are confused. They don't know what it means. Uh, They have poured all of their life into and onto Jesus. But he says, I'm going away. But then he has these comforting words. And he says, if you love me, uh, John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. What Jesus is saying to his disciples is, I'm going away now, but I'm going to be with you forever. Verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. Verse 18, I love verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you as orphans. Orphans in the first century mean much of what it means today. Sometimes orphans find themselves with our parents. Sometimes orphans find themselves unwanted. Jesus says you'll never find yourself in this place. And I love the next words that he says. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. You see, the, the promise of the cross, we often, 
We often think, well, all of the work on the cross was so that we could make our way to God. All of the work at the cross was so that, you know, um, God could remove the boundaries, remove the hindrances, and we could make our way to him. But in fact, the promise of the cross is that all of the boundaries have been removed so that God can make his way to us. For those that will read on in Matthew chapter 27, you will read that after Jesus dies... There was an earthquake, the rocks were split, and the veil was torn in two. This is God coming to us. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you a little, little while, and the world will see you no more, see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. I love verse 20, in that day, have a listen to the union that is promised here in the cross a union that was not known before the cross. The the barrier of our sins has been removed. God's face is no longer turned away from us, but is rather turned toward us. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, you in me and I in you. And the big word in that verse is the word in. To help us understand What Jesus is teaching us here, I wonder if we could journey back, all the way back to a little man by the name of Noah. And Noah receives the word of the Lord and says, build an ark. He spends 120 years building an ark. And then uh, chapter 7, verse 1 of Genesis, most translations will say, God said to Noah, go into the ark, but that's incorrect. The Hebrew word there, in fact, is the word come. God was already in there. What God says to Noah is God is uh, Noah is outside the ark. Uh, Noah is exposed. But then when God says come into the ark, the moment that Noah steps inside the ark, he is enclosed, he is surrounded. And the Genesis account tells us that God shuts him What Jesus is telling us is that God has provided another ark. His name is Jesus. And he invites all of us to come in to Christ. To be enclosed in Christ. To be surrounded. Ever felt like the world is surrounding you? Ever felt like everybody's against you? Ever felt like any, everything and anybody is against you? Well, we can be enclosed about by Christ. The story of Noah is that while the waters rage outside, Noah is kept safe inside the ark. That's the beautiful promise of scripture, that's the beautiful promise of the cross, is that God has come to us to invite every one of us to be in him and he in us. We're going to take some time now to come around the table of the Lord. We, I, I feel it's important for us to, to celebrate communion uh, on Good Friday. We will also celebrate communion on Sunday, but just as the emblems are being held out, I want to I want to come to another cry of Christ, a really, really important one. In the Gospel of John, we are told that the last cry of Jesus is, it is finished. 
And what takes three English words for us to understand is one word in the Greek. Telestai. The word telestai means it is finished, but it's, it doesn't merely mean I survived. It means I accomplished everything I set out to achieve. You would use the word telestai if you were climbing Mount Everest. You would use the word telestai if you were standing on the summit of Mount Everest because you would say, I have achieved everything I set out to accomplish. If you were... If you were paying off your mortgage, when you pay the last payment on your mortgage, you would say, Telestai, it is finished. I set out and I have achieved what I set out to do. If you were running a marathon and I could not imagine for a moment why anybody would want to run a marathon. But if you were running a marathon, when you reached the finish line, you would say, Telestai, I accomplished what I set out to do. Jesus from the cross would say, Telestai, I have completely accomplished what I set out to do. Jesus did not merely survive, he achieved what he set out to do. But Telestai means a little bit more to us today because uh, it's actually a verb that is in the perfect tense. And what that means is that it's not merely an action that has been completed in the past. That's not what that means. What it means is that it is an action that was completed in the past that has continuing results in the present. Jesus did not use this word accidentally. This morning, as we come around the table of the Lord, uh, we get to celebrate the completed work of Christ for us. The Salvation is not something we achieve, it's something we receive. Forgiveness is not something that we achieve, forgiveness is something we receive. A closeness and relationship with God is not something we achieve. His completed work on the cross is something we receive. I was never very good at school. You can ask all my teachers and if any opportunity I get, I always apologise to my teachers. But uh, Christianity is not spelt with the words D-O. That's religion. Religion is spelt D-O. Christianity is spelt D-O-N-E. It's done. Christ has done it. You, today, we don't have to build up brownie points with God. We don't have to create righteousness. Here's what Jesus says, stand in my righteousness. The word in is a positional word. Jesus says, stand in my righteousness. On the night that Jesus was to be betrayed here, He took the bread. And pointing forth to the cross, he would say, this is my body, which is broken for you. This morning as we as we sit seated at the foot of the cross, 
as we sit here together. Let us remember that we were brought with a price. Jesus says, take and eat in remembrance of me. This morning, can we, can we eat in remembrance of what Christ has achieved for us? In taking the cup, Jesus said, this is my blood poured out for many. What a wonderful song to finish with this morning. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Friends, as we drink this morning, let us remember that it is only the blood of Jesus. As we're sitting and we're reflecting this morning, I just wanted to take a few moments. And if you have a prayer that you'd like to, a prayer of thanks, a prayer of praise that you would like to speak out, then, then I want to make the opportunity this morning for you to do that. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Lord. You mm. 
Yes. Yeah. Yes, you did, Lord. Father, as the, as the song says, we are forgiven, yep. you were forsaken. Yes. I thank you, Jesus, that you were forsaken so that we never have to know that feeling. I thank you, Jesus, that you were clothed in our sin, that we may be clothed in your righteousness. Yep. I pray that as we sit here, May every man and woman and child hear that invitation of Jesus to come. To come into relationship. To come and receive the completed work of the cross. We are so grateful. As we remember, we are so grateful. For all that you have done for us. And that it is finished. Father, we... We thank you for all that the cross means in our lives and we look forward with expectation to celebrating Resurrection Sunday. Lord, I pray your blessing, favour and keep us safe, we ask in the wonderful name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.